You're listening to Thank You Five, a podcast devoted to Omaha's vibrant performing arts scene. My name is Dana Schweiger, and I've worked in Omaha theater for over 25 years. I'm sitting down with directors, performers, musicians, technicians, and designers to discuss their artistic talent, their passion, and why they continue to call Omaha home. Emily McCriskey is a local theater educator, director, and actress. She graduated from Dana College in 2004 with a BA in English Education with a theater minor. Emily taught for seven years at Alice Buffett Magnet Middle School, where she started and directed the Drama Club program. After graduating in 2011 from the University of Nebraska-Omaha with her theater master's focusing on direction and movement-based theater, Emily was hired as the full-time theater director at Omaha Burke High School. During her 15 years as an educator, Emily has been an active member of the Omaha theater community as a three-term board member of the Theater Arts Guild and volunteering as a director and actress at Chanticleer Theater, Bellevue Little Theater, Broad Street Theater Company, Snap Productions, Shelterbelt Theater, and the Omaha Community Playhouse. She is most known for her seven years as Mrs. Cratchit in the Omaha Community Playhouse's production of A Christmas Carol. You may also remember her from such roles as Bess in Quilters, also at the Playhouse, Ellen in The Little Dog Laugh for Snap Productions, and Belle in The Fantastics for the University of Nebraska at Omaha. Most recently, she assistant directed Fun Home as part of the Directing Fellowship Program at the Omaha Community Playhouse and was a cast member of Shrek the Musical. Emily currently serves as co-chapter director of the Nebraska Thespians and was honored as the Nebraska High School Theater Teacher of the Year in 2016. Her musical productions at Burke have won the Outstanding Musical Production the past three years at the Omaha Performing Arts Nebraska High School Theater Awards Showcase. This past fall, Emily was honored with the Broadway League Apple Educator Award, one of four educators in the nation at the Omaha Performing Arts Broadway Ball. Emily Mokriski, welcome to the Green Room. Thank you. I'm going to start out with the fact that you are not originally from Nebraska. You're from Iowa, is that correct? I am. I'm a Iowa Hawkeye, but I uh, lived there until I was 18, grew up in Des Moines, but I love living in Nebraska. I've now lived here as long as I lived in Iowa. Where did you go to grade school in Des Moines? I went to Moore Elementary, which is a part of Des Moines Public Schools, about two blocks from my house. So I loved all my teachers there and and then which high school did you go to? Um, so I went to Meredith Middle School, which is attached to Hoover High School, part of Des Moines, um, and went there. So I pretty much just was all the way through Des Moines Public Schools in my entire education. Do you still have family that live in Des Moines? My parents and my brother both still live in Des Moines or all live in Des Moines. And then do you have any other siblings? My sister, Angela, she lives in San Diego, California, much warmer than us in the Midwest. So she lives out there with her husband and her uh, five-month-old baby. Going back to your time in Des Moines, did you do any theater when you were in grade school? Any speech, any debate, any Um, school plays? My first role, really, was when I was a third grader. 
in our like music program, there was one spoken like role role to give away. And it was a teacher. It was the role of the teacher. So that was my first role in the third grade. We really didn't have school plays until I was in middle school. Um, I did a play, you know, one play a year in middle school, but not really a lot in elementary school beyond the music program. Okay. And then did you participate in any plays in high school? Yes. Pretty much everything I could do, I did. That was where... I think I really caught the theater bug. I think I always loved performing, you know, doing skits with my cousins and my sister growing up, but um, auditioning for A Christmas Carol, my first show in, in my freshman year of uh, high school, you know, cried my eyes miss, out. Were you Mrs. Cratchit? I was not, but I was Francis Cratchit. So okay. I was it's always a part of that Cratchit family. So um, I was Martha Cratchit when I was in college. So <laughs> it's, you know, somebody, you, everybody's got to be a part of Christmas Carol at some point in their life. Exactly. I feel like. Exactly. So that's where it really started. And then I did pretty much every other show. Um, we did our large group speech contest, which was through our theater program. And just fell in love being on stage and just being around it and the people. Did you at that time, either when you were in middle school or or when you were in high school, have an educator that was a mentor for you that helped encourage you in theater? 100%. My high school drama teacher, Dennis Hildreth, was awesome. He had been teaching for quite some time, but just he really knew his craft and he did a lot of theater that I think was really challenging. And we did a lot of theater. We did six shows a year at the high school. He always hired some other like he had student teachers and different things, but got a lot of opportunities. I really attribute the fact that I'm a teacher now because he was my teacher then. So and we're still I still keep in touch with him. He's like one of the best people. So I'm still, you know, love talking to him and hearing from him. He'll send me a break a leg on your opening night of a show. And I'm like, yay, Mr. Hildreth. So yes, he's a huge part of my life still. Did you have anyone that encouraged you to get into education when you were in high school or was it just mainly uh, the theatrical aspect? I really think it was Mr. Hildreth because he had such an impact on me as a student. Um, It's just where I really felt like I belonged. And also being a part of the band and choir program there, um, I had really great teachers there too. So I really loved what they did for their students. And I really wanted to do that. I thought for like a hot second, I wanted to be an actuary like my dad and then realize that would be boring. So (laughs) I wanted the, you know, variety, I guess, of teaching. I think I kind of knew that, you know, very early on. I mean, as like junior in high school, which I still think is pretty early, I always was like, I want to be a theater teacher in high school. So I was lucky that that's something I was able to grasp onto and kind of follow all the way through college. You graduated from high school when? 2000. 2000. Yes. And then you went to Dana College here in Nebraska. Yes. Correct. And then it was for education. It was. It was for English education. I kind of felt that that was, there weren't a lot of full-time theater education programs. Plus I thought that made me more marketable and Dana and the other schools I was looking at didn't have full-time even theater degrees. So I went for the education route with English and took every theater class I could that way because my first job was being an English teacher. So, and I thought that might get me in the door to be the theater position someday, just because they don't come around very often. How many productions were you a part of at Dana? Well, I did four a year. So 
that was a lot or fourth. Yeah. So about 16 shows, I would say three to four a year. Um, we were one of the things I loved about Dana was we did two musicals most years, not every year, but most of them we did. And when I was in high school, we only did musicals every other year. So I'd only ever been in two musicals in high school. So I really loved that we got to do that. And their choir program was very tight with the theater department. So everybody did both. So that was really great. I didn't have to choose. So I was able to be in a lot of shows. There were a, a lot of really, really good theater performers that came out of Dana. How many people do you know? How many people that are still doing theater here are from Dana? Quite a few and uh, quite a few actually theater high school teachers. Kevin Barrett, who's at Omaha South, Jeremy Stoll, who we graduated together. Um, I know Tom Jerry came after me. I mean, just a little Allison Wisman, Brooke, I think went there for a while. Eric Grantliana. Eric Grantliana. I mean, he was a year younger than me. We did a lot of shows together. Jess Gall was in town for a while. She doesn't live here anymore, but she did some theater and taught here in town for a while. Um, just a lot of people. And I, Doc or Paul, <laughs> so weird to call him Paul, but he definitely encouraged us to go see theater in Omaha when we were in college. We all very much did shows at Dana. We didn't necessarily go to Omaha because it was quite a drive, um, but he very much encouraged us to do that. So I remember seeing shows at Bellevue, especially at Blue Barn or Bridget St. Bridget. We saw a lot of those shows because they did some of those classics that, you know, you learn about when you're in college. So that was really great. And people just loved being connected. So, I mean, there's a lot of people still in town and there's probably some that I'm, as I'm sitting here, not remembering that went to Dana, but sure. so many Corey. Um, Archibald now. She was Corey Williamson. She's done some stuff in town. Yeah, a lot of us that went there. What was your favorite role that you did when you were in college? I'll have to say one was my favorite play and one was my favorite musical. My favorite play I ever did was The Glass Menagerie. I played Laura, which is the opposite of who I am. So that was a very big challenge because she has to do a lot of physicality and not... Um, she doesn't have a lot of lines. And so I think that's where I really, I'd always enjoyed movement based things, but I think um, just having to focus on the physicality of a character, I really had to do that in that role. And so that really challenged me. And then The Witch and Into the Woods, that was my last sh uh, show. And that was an emotional thing because you're graduating and some of the lines in that are very much about leaving. And, you know, sometimes people leave you halfway through the woods and I'm like, oh, crying off stage, you know. So those were some two very different but very memorable roles. I had a great time. When you graduated, you had your degree in education. And then uh, was it right after that that you were hired at Alice Buffett Magnet? I was. I got hired like I don't know spe specifically what month was before I graduated. And it's kind of an interesting story because I had gotten hired by OPS to actually teach at Central being a ninth grade English teacher. But I kind of in my gut knew I didn't know if I wanted to go to high school quite yet. And I'd also pursued the possibility of going on and getting my MFA. I had driven to Chicago and done some auditions there. Um, I had a, uh, a, not an audition. Everything's an audition now. <laughs> um, I had an interview for a halftime theater, halftime lit position that that seemed more interesting to me. And it was between me and one other person who had experience. So they gave it to that person. Um, so I was super disappointed, came back to OPS or like we already filled the English position, but there's this other school that isn't built yet. And we've already hired all veteran teachers. They're only interviewing new teachers, which is how I got the interview there. So I went and interviewed at Dundee Elementary, actually. And I just knew like in the interview, I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. So I loved teaching middle school. I think it was the right place for me when I was that age. I drove out to 
the hole in the ground at 144th and Laramore. So I was like, well, someday there'll be a building there. So that was a whole experience, like opening a building. Everything was brand new, incredible staff, really great at admin. So I really got my experience as a teacher there. Talk a little bit about what it was like as a fairly new educator having to start a drama club program. Well, it was if something I knew I wanted to do, because I think middle school especially is a time where we're really struggling through who we are. I mean, I think we're always doing that. High school is the same, but really a lot of changes are happening. So I just put up a flyer thinking hopefully some kids will come out and 96 kids came to my room that fits 20. So I was like, well, obviously there's an interest here. It was great that we had so much interest, but it was uh, challenging to try to figure out how to give kids opportunity without making myself go insane. Um, I was really fortunate that my second year there, I had a friend, Dara, who taught science, but loved theater, um, started pairing with me. So she very much um, helped me kind of co-direct so we could kind of supervise Divide and Conquer. So we did two shows a year, but it was all after school. We didn't have it as a class. And I, at the beginning, was not paid to do any of it. So I just was really passionate about doing it and knew that that was going to give me experience to hopefully someday do the high school thing. How many program shows did you do a year when you started that program? Um, We did two a year. So one in the fall, one in the spring. So in my time there, I did 14 shows. The fall show was always called Improv Fest. um, And what it was, was 30 plays in 60 minutes, kind of based on the uh, program Too Much Light Makes a Baby Go Blind in Chicago. And it was actually something I did when I was in high school with my theater teacher. They were very much uh, high school, more adult themed little plays that we did. So with middle school, we found a lot of like short scripts, anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes. And every kid got to be in at least two scenes. The improv of it was they sat in the audience and we called up a number and it had the name of the skit. So they never knew when their skit was performing. So that was great because it was a way to get kids up on stage performing short scenes. So not like a lot of intense memorization. We did some longer scenes for some of our older kids. One year we had 150 kids in two productions, one for five, six, one for seven, eight. After that year, we were like, no more of that. Only 50 kids. Because <laughs> yeah. it was 150. It was a lot because we were rehearsing. Well, in like, somewhere oh. we're in the walk-on program. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, and we were in a hallway, like a big, like, it was just really hard to keep track of all that. But you live and you learn. Um, and then in the spring, we always did scripted play. That was the experience for those more intense uh, actors who really wanted uh, to play a role and memorize some lines. So those were always smaller and in the springtime. And I'm assuming that was done in like a resource room or... We performed in the cafetorium. We rehearsed uh, in kind of change where we rehearsed. My, I taught a lot of things at Buffett. So I started off as an English teacher, taught speech in a portable. And then I moved inside and was the radio broadcasting teacher, even though I had no degree in that. But they're like, she knows how to talk. Here's a Mac computer and a microphone. So I made that up. Well, I didn't make it up. I did my research and wrote my curriculum. But that's where we used to rehearse. And then we just uh, did one day on the stage for rehearsal and then one performance. So a lot of work, but it was, there were a ton of kids who came. I mean, it was always like five to 800 people in the audience and lots of kids getting involved. And luckily it's still happening. There's someone still at Buffett running the program, Tom Miller, who does lots of stuff in town. So thank goodness he is keeping the tradition going after I left. And speaking of tradition, that's a good segue. When I spoke the other day with Camille Matoyer moten she told me that she was a graduate of Burke. 
mm-hmm. and that there were a number of people in town yes who do theater who who are from Burke so you are carrying the torch along from those that came before you for so sure tell me about starting out at Burke and Moving on to where we are now. So you have been at Burke now for 15 years. Correct? No, I've been there eight, 15 total teaching. Oh, 15 total teaching. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, That's so confusing. Eight, <laughs> yep. So eight, so eight at Burke. So tell me about leaving the middle school and making the leap to high school. It was a shift to say the least, something I wanted. I was feeling kind of in a rut where I was at. I loved my colleagues. I loved my school and it was Hard to leave emotionally, but I knew it was the right move for me. And my principal at Buffett was amazing because she really helped me get my master, like finding time for me to get my master's and really encouraged me to do that, which is really the only reason I got the job at Burke because I graduated in May and got hired the same month. So it just happened to be the right time. So shifting to Burke, the one positive is I had a lot of former students that were at Burke because a lot of the Buffett kids came. So that helped me in the transition just because some of them already knew me. So I didn't have to reintroduce myself to them, but I knew they came from a tradition, especially um, Greg Doty, who was there for 30 years. I knew he had been kind of a legend. So stepping into this place, I know had a history was a little daunting, but also, you know, a challenge and something I was ready for. But that first year was, I felt like I was barely keeping my head above water, I would say. Um, But it really helped. I had some great student leadership that year and some kids that I already knew. And I had a lot of people like Doc still in town and a lot of people that I had as resources from being involved in shows to pull from. I my friend Frank came and helped me build the set for free because I was like, how do I build (laughs) sets by myself? So I had a lot of help that first year of navigating that world. And the choir teacher there had been there for 25 years. So when we did the musical, at least had him as a person that had been in the building for a while. So it's crazy that now in my eighth year, I'm now the veteran in the fine arts department because we've had a lot of turnover in our main choir, just, you know, people retiring and new people. So now I'm the one who has the quote unquote most experience. I'm like, it's not even been a decade yet. So kind of have to set those expectations and know that it's going to take time to, for kids to trust your vision and where it's going. There were some rough moments, you know, just know, like thinking if you could do it, but I loved it. I loved being with the high school kids. And I think being older, I was ready and having that experience at Buffett. I'd already dealt with a lot of how to deal with behavior problems and how to organize a rehearsal schedule. And there wasn't at at Buffett, I I set the standard because everything was brand new. And at Burke, I could just continue with what I had set there at Buffett. You went to graduate school when you were still at Buffett. I did. So for I was in school for three years and still teaching full time. I was not married at the time and I didn't sleep much. Um, But, you know, that was the time to do it, I think. Um, And I was very fortunate that it just worked out. It was it was there was one other teacher in the program, Mark Schnitzler, who was at Scott Catholic at the time. He was a high school teacher. And they were really kind to like work some of the classes that were requirements to work out with our teaching schedule. So it helped that there was somebody else. But most of the master's program students were just going to school full time and not, you know, they were working at Starbucks or different um, part time jobs. So that was difficult to really. But I, it, the great thing is I knew what I wanted out of the program. I knew I wanted to teach. And so I knew how to kind of use the classes. And I would say 
at least half of what I teach, I take directly from my master's degree now that I'm in uh, not in college in high school teaching. What was the first production that you did as a, as an educator at Burke? The first production I directed was The Mouse That Roared. And when I was in high school, we had done we'd use that script and rewritten it, like said it, like adapted it to be at the North Pole with elves. <laughs> we did weird things. Um, so I was familiar with the script. And I came in like, you know, got hired in May and had to pick that show. You know, now I pick my shows for the whole season a year in advance and I have time to prep. So it was just a whole new challenge to be like, what do I do with the high school? And so that's kind of a classic that some people know. And I had a lot of roles in it that gave me a good opportunity to kind of assess different students abilities um, that I didn't know already. So that was my first show. I wouldn't say it's my favorite show I've ever directed. But it was a good starting point. How many shows a year? We do three main stage. So we do a comedy or try to do a comedy, a drama, and then a musical. Some other, we do some one acts and I do a special needs musical. But a lot of those are through our, the classes I teach, not necessarily after school. Let's take a moment to discuss your special needs program. One of the wonderful things about Burke is we have a program called the Burke Rockstars. Um, we had a teacher, her name was Miss M which is why I had to be Miss Mo, who started our ACP students, calling them the rock stars and really putting them out into the community within the school, getting them out into classes. And she started doing kind of a music review with them. And that was kind of somewhat established when I got to to Burke. Um, and I have a brother with special needs, so I just thought it was an awesome opportunity. And she retired. And so the assistant came to me and was, you know, kind of, very interested in keeping that program going, but she didn't know where to start. So I said, I, I would love to do that. Let's do it um, with some of my honors drama students. So we started doing it with my honors drama students and we've incorporated my musical theater ensemble students. So it's actually, we do it part of our class and they adapt a script. So we've adapted Beauty and the Bees. We've adapted Frozen, you know, usually the, the uh, rock stars pick a show they really are excited about. And then my honors theater kids are the aide and partner with them. And so help them make sure to say their lines and they get a special costume. They get to sing. And we um, we've written grants to do this sometimes Um, this year. The donation we were given, I was able to pay to bring in a director, which is usually Josh Malady, who has done a lot of work with um, special needs kids. And then a choreographer, Courtney Stein's done it, Julian Adair. We had Kim Clark Kazmarek who came and helped us last year. So bring in some community members just to, you know, interact, have students meet new directors. And then they and I serve more as the producer. So I do all the creation of the set. Um, We've done a lot with projections to help tell the scene. But it's just it's my favorite night of the whole year because our school really supports it. It's absolutely free and they donate. And it's like a thousand people. I mean, the whole auditorium is full. And after every scene, the whole place claps for them and they give them a standing ovation. And I just think it's really an important thing for my students and, you know, and anybody to see what is it really about? What is re- and these kids have so much joy. They're just like thrilled to say one line or thrilled to dance a little bit or have a costume. And it's just a really great way for my students to step back and not be in the spotlight and be the one assisting. And they really have grown to be very invested in that program and really love it. So I am, <laughs> I just sit in the background and cry like the whole time because I'm just, this is beautiful. Um, but that's one of my favorite things of the year is doing that program. Typically, how many students are involved in that? 
Um, we usually have anywhere from 30 to 35 ACP students. Because the Rockstar program is so done so well, we have a lot of kids at Burke in that program. And then I, anywhere from 20 to 30 kids of that are theater kids. So it's a, it's a big group. It's really chaotic because you never know what's going to happen, you know, or if someone's going to get nervous to say their line. Um, but you just feel the vibe in the, in the space that people want to support them and help them perform. So that's really great. When we did um, Beauty and the Beast last year, we had two bells, okay. you know, so we have, and um, then we just switch off on the lines, have two girls wearing the costume. So, and you know, the audience understands, I get it. They don't care. We want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity. So I actually, we write the script and then the rock star teachers, the ones who see them all the time, they assign them the role because they kind of know where they are at ability wise, like who would be better suited for what role. Um, and then I assign the, my student to them once we've cast the show, once the other teachers have cast the show. So I think that's an amazing program. It's one of my favorites <laughs> for sure. You don't have very much time to get back on stage. Not very often. A Christmas carol is probably good because it probably hits right during Christmas break at the school. The way my schedule set, my fall show was in October and then the next play wasn't until the next semester. So I always had that October, November rehearsal time to do the show. And I had actually my first year being in A Christmas Carol was at Buffett. So I already knew the show. So when I was a first year teacher at Burke, it was a nice um, way to be able to perform again, but in a role I, you know, at least was familiar with. So it wasn't, I'm learning all these new lines and new music. I had done it at least once before. And I think being on stage helps for me personally, helps me be a better director to remember what it's like to be an actor and, you know, listen and how you learn and everybody learns differently. So as much as I can, I like to get back to stage, but it just doesn't happen as often as I would like it. You know, if there were just more hours in the day. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the the roles that you were able to perform in. Oh, like the little dog laughed. I think that was the first time I had met you. And I don't remember now when that was. It's like 2007 or 8. Yeah. So you were so you were teaching at that point. Was it easier when you were in uh, teaching in middle school than it is in high school? It for sure was. I did. I did shows all the time, like three or four a year when I was at the middle school, just because the demands weren't as high. Um, I only did two, you know, kind of smaller shows and rehearsals only went a couple times a week till 430. So I did a lot more shows. My first the whole first season or the whole first year I taught, I did like four shows at Chanticleer, which was a little insane because I was driving all the way out to Council Plus. But, you know, that's where um, actually the first two shows I auditioned for, I wasn't cast. Somebody got dro- somebody dropped out and then I was in the cast. So I just wanted to meet people. So I was, I was taking any role. So I didn't do any theater in Omaha until I was a teacher because when I was in college, I was doing college. So that was kind of how I met people. And so I was doing it more as a social I mean, obviously I loved it and, you know, this is what I'm passionate about, but I really just wanted to meet people and get a part of the community. So I was taking anything that somebody would let me play and be a part of the cast. And do you find that those roles that you were in have shaped you in how you direct then? I think it's shaped me as how I direct and also how I choose scripts, because I feel like I my eyes are open, especially when I did Little Dog, because I... I actually hadn't gotten cast in something else. And a friend was going to the little dog audition. I was like, you want to come with me? So I didn't know a lot about it. And then I showed up, read the character description or read about it on the way. And so that show, it was 
not something I knew necessarily about going in as much. And I just, that was such a different role, different kind of script. And I was like, oh, this is great. You know, something different that I hadn't heard. I mean, it won a lot of awards on Broadway, but you know, it wasn't performed here in town. It wasn't one of those plays everybody knew. So I like to find those more media roles for kids at least once a year that are a challenge that aren't just the traditional ones you see everywhere, if that makes sense. When you sit down to choose your musical, I'm assuming that you collaborate a little bit with your music director. Yes. Yes, a lot. We we look at the, you know, you look at, you have to look at your students in your program. Obviously you don't pick a show and be like, I'm casting a kid in advance, but you have to know oh, we have a lot of boys right now. We have a lot of girls right now. Um, we have a lot of dancers. So like when we did Crazy For You last year, the year before our choreographer was like, you have so many tappers, you have so many dancers, you got to do a dance show because they were all going to be graduating. So that's what we decided to do. And you have to look and be like, okay, I have like three or four people who could play this role. But yeah, we definitely collaborate. We also collaborate with our band instructor because we do a predominantly student pit. So we want to make sure they feel like they can fit the orchestra, you know, and also thinking about what's going to be great to open, especially at Burke, we have all kinds of, it's a very diverse school and knowing that I want to have roles for everybody and it doesn't matter, you know, that it can be any role for any person. So that's important when we pick a show that there's a lot of variety and there's not a lot of, it has to be this one way. I like to have flexibility in casting when I can. It was two years ago, I think, that Be the Light. Last summer, yeah. Last summer. Yeah. Talk to me about how that program came about, that production came about. I was fortunate enough to get a chance to see it. But talk to me about that process. And for those who may not have seen it, uh, what that whole uh, program was about. So Be the Light, movement-based theater, something I really... And passionate about it was actually what my master's thesis was. I just think there's something really beautiful about music and movement that you can convey multiple messages that you can't do necessarily with words. So I knew I wanted to do something with that. And so I, I just had students audition for, we're going to do a movement piece or as they lovingly say, a movement piece. Cause they call me Mo. Um, <laughs> so I brought them together and then we collaborated it. So it's, it was kind of a combination of, my idea, but also very devised. So I had them all come in and say, I knew I wanted it to be, be the light. We had just done a wrinkle in time, which focuses a lot about the light and the darkness. And I feel like there was just, you know, you look at the world and you look at the news and there's just so much negativity and kids take that on, especially with social media. And I just really wanted to be like, what can we talk? What, what does light mean to you? What brings you hope? What brings you joy? And so they all brought in quotes, pictures, poems, and then we kind of looked at what they had brought in of what it meant to them and then took quotes to build seven different scenes or vignettes. They each had kind of a different theme. So it, we use, you know, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That was one of our major keystone quotes. And so we'd say, okay, what does it mean? How can we put that in um, movement? And then I had a, I was very fortunate. I had a student who is a composer. So he wrote music. So we put a little words with it. So it was very devised. And then the kids kind of just emotionally kind of created movement with those pieces. Um, we did some about, it involved like school shootings and 
tragedies that we've seen around the world and how the Fred Rogers quote about look for the helpers and be like, let's look for the hope in this awful darkness and this place. And that was really great because we had a kid who was like, I'm going to just write a poem. So we ended the piece with her poem that she wrote. So it was, it's for a lot, it's kind of hard to describe without seeing it, but it was music predominantly. And it was only about 20 minutes in length, but I had a student who was a big dancer. And so she helped choreograph a lot of the numbers. And then I staged some kind of meaning within that. So stories of showing the helper or showing, uh, you know, darkness that follows us around physically and how we can shake that off. And so that's kind of, I, I don't know if I'm doing a very good job of describing it, but it was really created by the students, which was, and I just happened to be in the room making sure it made sense. So that was a really powerful experience to create with them. Well, and I think it was pretty powerful for the students as well. I just remember how focused every single person was, like razor sharp focus on what they were doing. You could tell that the students themselves really cared about what they were presenting. And I think, you know, a lot of that obviously is because they had a very, very big say in what that piece was going to be about. So I I have a feeling it was probably one of the more special moments. Moments. And I think, you know, because students have a lot to say and um, they're going to be more invested when they get to be in the creative process. And that's always the balance as a teacher, finding the moment where they can be the ones creating it and designing and then where you have to lead more and guide more. And depending on your talent in different areas, you know, you might have a really great set builder one year, a really great light designer and so you're always kind of having to ebb and flow of what you have and who who needs more guidance and who needs to just be creative. Different kids have different thresholds of what, you know, how much space and structure they need. So that was, I think, a huge part of that is that they were just ready to dive in and try. I had a really great group of kids to do that with. This year, you've actually had some graduates from Burke that have come back? I have. I have a couple kids who went through, I've had quite a few kids go through the TTAP program at OCP and some of them have stayed in town. So I've been able to hire them back to do light design or various things. And then Ben Adams, who's at Creighton University, did some set design for me in high school. So now I get to actually pay him to come back and help me set design as a, um, you know, as a student. And he's just diving into to learn about it and that's something he's really interested in. So that's been really great to have those resources in town because sometimes you just need another set of eyes in the room. And um, so that's great to bring them back and see them growing and sometimes teaching me now how to do something. Well, and I also think it's it's fascinating uh, going back for a second to be the light that you actually had a student that composed the music. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the amount of trust that you have for your students, I think is what makes you an absolutely wonderful educator. Let's take a moment to discuss the Broadway League Apple Educator Award. What was it like finding out that you had been recognized in that way? Well, I actually knew last May, Kathleen, who works for Omaha Performing Arts and does the education coordination there, she had nominated me for it and hadn't told me. (laughs) And so she called and she was like, so I nominated you for this award I didn't tell you and you won. So that's exciting. And I was like, oh, what does this mean? So it was a lot about the collaboration with OPA through their high school theater awards program, just because I got really involved with them from the beginning, going to their master classes and giving my opinion on how they could do things better that would better serve kids. So that was 
very surprising, you know, and so I really, um, that was kind of an overwhelming experience, especially getting to stand next to Brian Darcy James, even if it for, was for like 10 seconds. I was like, thank you for your masterclass. And I think that was all I said, or it didn't sound that awkward. You know, so it was very overwhelming because I think, you know, as an educator, you don't do it for the accolades, but it definitely is nice because it's kind of a thankless job a lot of the time. So that was pretty special. My parents got to be there and my husband and my principal and very, you know, pretty emotional. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have to speak at the ceremony. I just got a smile or I would have broken down probably. Congratulations. I think it's an absolutely amazing award. So we'll get personal for a minute. Yes. Tell me how you met Joe. How did I meet Joe? Well, in, in a sense, it's through the theater community. His best friend is Adam Hogston, who does lots of shows in town, who I'd known for a long time. Um, and they were actually in a production. Joe actually lived in Lincoln for quite some time, like about 10 years. He went to UNL for a bit. He had moved back to help his parents open their store in Bellevue. They run an education supply store. So he'd moved back, was doing some copy. He was a composer as well, was writing songs with Adam and was in Brick. That was Ben Fold's musical, which I saw and I knew everyone but him in it. Didn't know that then, but he was in Children of Eden at the Bellevue Little Theater. And um, his good friends, Angie Heim and Kyle Avery, were like, look, we're going to go run the zoo run. And I was like, they're watching my friend Denise Chevalier run the zoo run with her brother, Dan. And so we just I just happened to be in that space at the same time. And that's how we met it was at the at the zoo because we were with a bunch of theater people. So and then we just kept running into each other. And eventually at Denise's house, she had an ugly sweater party. It was like, hey, I think I kind of like you. And he's like, I kind of like you, too. And that's how we met, really. So when we started dating right away and kind of, you know, I was in almost 30 or was I, you know, I was almost 30 by that time I knew what I wanted and I was like, that's it. (laughs) So I was like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. He was all in. So it was very, it was fun. How many productions have you done together? We have done Christmas Carol three times and then we did Shrek together. So he's done a couple of shows without me, of course, but we've done quite a few, I guess, you know, it's, It's always nice to be able to share that the stage. We've been fortunate that we've gotten to do that. And even in the production, we're not necessarily on stage that much together. So it's like we're experiencing it on our own, but we're still there together. So that's kind of fun. Shrek was interesting because not only was not only was Joe in it, but one of your students was in it as well. Yes. What is that like sharing the stage with a student? It definitely puts you in a position of I mean, I'm always thinking as an educator because that's just kind of how I always think. But it just put me on even more like I'm not just an actor in this show. I'm also demonstrating what it means to be an actor to my student who's in the room as well. So that definitely, you know, just it was a different experience. Uh, he was actually the student who wrote the music for Be The Light. So we knew each other pretty well. And so that was it was just fun to be able to be like we're on the same plane in this situation. So that was very a very unique experience. Um, very fun, but just puts you in a different, makes you much more aware and conscious of what you're doing. Not that I'm not always that way, but even more so. Where do you see Burke's theater program going in the next five years? (sighs) I have so many ideas. (laughs) I just want to keep it growing. I would love a different space. I would love to have a black box. That's my next goal. We have some I had a very generous donation from an alumni to our program focused mostly on bringing in people to work with my students, but potentially with the intent of helping us starting a fundraising process for a black box 
just to give more opportunities to our students. Not that a facility is what makes a play makes a program, but you know, it's the students and the teachers and what you do with the space. But I think it would allow us to do more intimate shows. So I'd really like to be able to do some more challenging shows, um, not in a space that seats a thousand people. So I, I definitely see like I just want to keep pushing the envelope and doing different productions and allowing more student di- direction. I got to have a st- uh, I had a student direct this year and it was just it was kind of nice to just sit back and watch your student direct and actually feel like you were still te- I was still teaching and helping him. But he had a different viewpoint than I would have. And I'm learning in the process, too. So I'd love to do more stuff like that. I'm going to take a moment now to ask you some questions you have seen inside the actor studio (laughs) i'm going to steal some of his questions oh great i hope hopefully i can do this (laughs) he stole some from others so what is your least favorite word that's a hard one my least favorite word can it be a phrase um uh, Uh, sure it could be a phrase (laughs) i i think can't like i can't do that sounds really cheesy what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? And we'll put theater and education together on that. Theater so, and education. So if you couldn't do theater, if you couldn't be an educator, what would you like to attempt? I would love to attempt. I mean, does music count? I mean, is that part of theater? Would you say like being a musician or composing music? No, I think that's different. I mean, I, I'm not really a composer, uh, but I love music. So I feel like that would be a huge thing. I also I mean, I do really I do really like math. So something with math, you know, I think that would. You could be an accountant. Yeah. I, I haven't done it in so long. I'd have to relearn, but <laughs> something with math. Who is your favorite heroine in real life? Like a real life person? Yes. The person I look up to the most is my sister. She, I mean, I love my parents and all that too, but my sister um, is my best friend. She runs her own company for kids with special needs, you know, very much influenced by my brother, but also just. You know, she just has a compassion and a heart for people. So she works with a lot of kids with autism and uses music therapy. So she moved out to California knowing nothing, knowing no one. I just think she's very adventurous, has always been very supportive of me. I wish she didn't live so far away. But yeah, she's definitely my my hero. What is your favorite color? Green. That's easy. (laughs) Uh, It's been my favorite color for quite some time. What is it that you most dislike? I dislike when people are only thinking of themselves. They're not looking at the bigger picture. Like just when they don't think to be kind, that just drives me nuts. When they're only thinking of themselves or not putting themselves in the other people's shoes, which as a teacher, I see that all the time. I'm just like, just be kind people, just be kind to each other. What is your dream of happiness? My dream of happiness. I just think I'm such a cheesy person. Just being with, you know, just being surrounded by positivity, people that want to challenge themselves and see the, the glass half full, try to find the joy in the, in the simple. If you could go back in time and meet someone, who would you like to meet? I would love to meet Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> I just, I fell in love with her music and her as high school student. We had, I was in a jazz choir and we had to research a jazz musician I just think she's just a fascinating person, you know, in just an era of time where she was African-American and a woman. I just I think she's she's amazing. I'd love to meet her. And plus, she sings 
I wish I had any kind of talent like that. Like I just love her music so much. So, I mean, that's kind of random. I mean, there's tons of people, but I, I think I just researched her a lot. I think she's fabulous. That's, I loved when they did the production Ella at OCP. That was really fascinating. So what is your list of shows that you would love to do if you ever had the chance? My all-time favorite play is... as, uh, And I should quantify this. So okay. As an actress or a director? Let's start with actress first and then okay. as a director. As an actress, I 100% would love to be in Proof. It's like one of my favorite plays. You Math. were in Proof. <laughs> I remember I was at the audition with you. That was, I didn't get to be in the show, but I it's a great script. I love it. Probably too old now, but Proof I would love to be a part of. You could be Claire. Oh, this is true. She's older. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also love to play the mom and dear Evan Hansen. I just, I love that role. I mean, that's more modern. Yeah. I would love to play that. Um, Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney Todd. I think that would be really fun to direct. I would love to direct you're in town, the musical. I think that's really fun. Funky sh- uh, just as a production. I'd love to direct to kill a mockingbird sometime. I think it's a really powerful script, man. You know, you usually have such a long list of things. And then you're asked that question. You're like, where did they go? <laughs> okay. To kill a mockingbird for adults or for kids? You know, I'd love to do it with a high school. I think it's, um, but you have to have the right group of kids and you have to approach it from an education standpoint, obviously with the language and the content. Right. right. Um, and there was a, a couple of years ago that OCP was doing it and a couple of high schools in town did it. I just think, you know, it's a book we read. I would also love, okay, as we're thinking about this, I'd also love to direct Curious Incident. We just saw, saw it at OCP. Just two, you know, two scripts that I think have, you know, some challenges when it comes to some of the language in it, but I think they're books that kids read in school. And so I think that's a really great learning opportunity to be able to connect it to the classroom. So I think those are both really powerful scripts. That would be really fun to direct. Thank you so much for stopping by. Of course. Thank you for listening to the Thank You Five podcast with original theme music by Tim Vallier. For more information about tonight's guest, please visit www.thankyou5pod.com. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And remember that right now, somewhere in the world, a stage manager is saying, five minutes to curtain. Thank you, five. Thank you, five. Thank you, five. Thank you, five. Thank you, five.